Time management's great stuff. Event management, part of time management, but energy management, that's the area we're in now. And that's what we have to look at. We've been in it for a long time. If you want the blunt end of that description of that word is you do what I ask you to do and I'll tell you if you did it well. That's the blunt end of delegation. Now empowerment of course is you are now able to do what you need to do within the boundaries of the vision and, and direction we've set. I've seen too many guys at 20, 30 decades trying to do what you should be doing at 50. That's not healthy. You're trying to be the 50 year old at 28. Changing the Headlines Leadership Podcast with your host, Stephen McLeish. Making the world a better place by adding value one person at a time. Impacting the world by impacting your world. Bringing you love, life, and energy. So stay seated, keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times, because it's about to blow your mind. Three, two, one, and we have liftoff. Hey guys, welcome to Changing the Headlines podcast uh, with your host, which is me, Stephen McLeish. But today I'm so excited. We've got somebody that is just an incredible human being. It's Dr. Scott Wilson. Now, Scott, he is a leadership trainer and coach to church leaders. He's the president of Euroled.net. That's a network of churches in Europe. He's also the founder and director of the Institute for Creativity, Leadership and Management, also known as ICLM. Scott travels extensively teaching and training leaders, and I love this, but training leaders to build a great church. And he's offered eight books, and him and his wife, they resigned in Denmark, pastoring churches over there. Scott, it's so good to have you on the show. Good to be with you. Really, really an honor. Looking forward to this. Yeah, it's, it's going to be absolutely great. As we were just getting into, I was saying that I found you on Instagram. You are like one of the funniest people on Instagram. <laughs> so if you have not fallen, uh, if you're not following Scott Wilson on Instagram, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> uh, Scott, what is your what is your Instagram handle? Do you know? Do you know? Yeah, yep. it's, it's Scott Wilson underscore underscore. So there's two underscores after the name. Now, don't do the other Scott Wilsons because I'm just not funny. There's nothing good. <laughs> I love it. So you've got to do Scott Wilson underscore underscore. It is basically just funny memes that I put out every day. And I find, Steve, that people really, they DM me and look, I just love this because yeah. The world we live in right now is not that funny sometimes, but I look for you. I, so that's that's my other ministry. Yep. <laughs> wow. I love it. I love it. Life I have, isn't it really? Yeah. <laughs> so guys, you need to go and follow him because, you know, as we're all in this leadership game we need this we need this humor we need to keep our sense of humor that we all probably had at the start let's keep it and get yeah. it more. <laughs> uh, but scott, scott that was that is such a i, I said to you before i says i can't just usually i just say people's bios but i was like there's so much and just the short bio there was so much punching that pack and uh, one of the things is you what i told you already my i've got a massive heart for europe a massive vision for europe and so you oversee these uh churches in in europe so can you just tell us a bit about that like what is that how did you get into that what's your role in that uh pretty much like everything it sort of morphs into something yeah. or becomes something you didn't really imagine uh, but it does become something uh, which is what we are now, Euroleague.net, which is European Leadership Network. Um, my work takes me all over Europe plus other parts of the world when we could fly almost <laughs> every day. So I was on the road just doing city after city, meeting with church pastors, and I'm pretty sure, mate, when I get to Scotland, we're going to hang out and have a good coffee too. <laughs> yeah, um, let's do it. So, so after a period of time, I discovered that a lot of the uh, – the fellows I work with, they have conferences, they have networks, they have things that they want to connect with. But I decided to run something a little bit different. So we run, it's a very uh, small group. We close it off at about 70 to avoid the large en masse crowd. You have certain criteria to be a part of it. One is your senior pastors or the other conferences for core teams. But we do not have a keynote speaker. The keynote speaker is the people attending. Mm 
Mm. So pretty much every person speaks and uh, they have, we have topics which they address three minutes, 30 minutes and so on, 24 hour event. Most people, we go all over Europe and meet in different parts of Europe so we can get the flavor of each city we're in. Uh, right across from Riga, right down to the bottom of Portugal. Wow. Um, we're everywhere every year and because it's European. And to be honest, it's growing and, and it's getting quite hard actually to keep it this tight group. Lots of these guys have made personal friendships there that are long lasting and they go for that friendship and then also the content that is much more about hearing what others are doing. And that's been the winning winning edge. And that's the churches I work with. I suppose if we chose to, we could go for the big thing and up it. And But I think it loses its touch and what it is. It's like mm -hmm. eating in a restaurant. You go to certain restaurants for certain atmospheres and certain types yeah. of food. And sometimes you go to a big buffet type thing and you just gorge yourself and sometimes you go to a more intimate setting not many people there but the food is different and and that's what i've sort of seen in this type of network i run wow i, I love that and i i said to you i think we've got some mutual friends and i'm just kind of figuring out why we probably have mutual friends is when i was a youth pastor i used to go to something quite similar like that it was i forget what it was called it was a global kingdom network or something like that and it was for uh, it was for the youth pastors, and it was the same criteria. They didn't have a keynote speaker necessarily. We all shared it, and I've all I've said to I tell my wife all the time. I was like, we need to run that because that was the most impactful format of a mm -hmm. conference that I've mm -hmm. ever been to. So I love yep. that whole format that there's not a main speaker. It's actually all the people come. But I get the whole thing that because uh, that's one of the challenges that they had that was just growing too fast and we're trying to keep it that you know that yeah. tight that tight kind of uh, so I think that's probably where we probably have got some mutual friends uh, from yeah. um, and so but I'd imagine in that role that there's a lot of um, delegation there's a lot of, and I'm sure in your experience, there's a lot of delegation. And this is a big thing in leadership, I think, is is delegation. And it's kind of like this um, this art form. Like, what you like, we've got on one hand, we know we if we delegate people, we can reach more and make more impact. But on the other hand, it's that kind of trust factor. How do we uh when do we know when people are ready? Can we trust people? Because, you know, people can say all the right things and we don't know the heart motives that I'll do. Is it we just take that risk and, and have grace over that moment? So I'm just curious, like, what is your view on delegation? How do you delegate? Yeah, we have a great team and it is very, um, very much a delegation role. Uh, but I actually think the word that's used today is the word empowerment, which is a bit different mm. to delegate. Yeah. And maybe actually we start with delegation and we move on to empowerment. I think what you talked about there, how do you find out if you trust somebody, how do you, uh, that they can do the task and so on, is probably more when you get to full empowerment stage. So mm. we often start with delegation, which is very much if you want the blunt end of that description of that word is you do what I ask you to do. And I'll tell you if you did it well, that's the blunt end of delegation. Now empowerment of course, is you are now able to do what you need to do within the boundaries of the vision and, and direction we've set. And I'll come in and we'll check it occasionally and see how you're going, if I can help you. So it becomes a different thing. Um, I suppose in some cultures, the word delegation in cultures I've worked in, they have five different words, uh, meanings of the same word. Yeah. A, a little like uh, Eskimos have for snow. They have uh, many words for the word snow. For me, it's just snow. It just falls out of the sky and it's called snow. But for them, there's different flavors and types of snow. And delegation's much the same. There is different levels of delegation. It's not one. And I get your point, though, that it's an important part of leadership to be able to do so. Uh, to be able to, I tend to empower the folks I'm with probably to, to detriment of myself, to be honest, because I'm so trusting and I so want to see them function well that when I give them the task, I, I just walk away and let them go for it and then we'll pick up any pieces later. But there's other more micromanagement type guys who can't do that. So they, they stay in the blunt end of delegation. 
and unfortunately never really mature a leader on to what they could be because they're basically just reporting back what they did, getting something done. Now, there are times in leadership you need blunt end delegation. We've got to get this done, get it done quickly, report when it's done, and so on. But I believe personally when you do that, all moments of delegation should lead to a process of having somebody who is empowered, who knows what they're doing next and how to do it well. So a leader that only delegates, the blunt end of delegation and doesn't move somebody through is missing a wonderful opportunity for leadership development. For leadership development is not just about doing what a leader wants. It's becoming yeah. the leader yourself. And that is truly empowerment more than delegation. Wow. That's, that's, a, great, that's a great answer. And so if you have like, like let's just put in this scenario, like you have a, um, 50 like little small groups to pioneer let's just take uh, home groups or whatever you want to call them how would you know who to delegate and when to delegate and and, and in power yep. obviously that comes along later on the line but you know what well, i think you know what i'm saying yeah i do and we i i've taught what's called the star principle s-t-a-r and it's a very easy principle because when you say that 50, you're talking 50 different leaders and they're all at different places. And that's where star kicks in because that enables you to number where they are in a certain process for, for empowerment. Now, always with empowerment uh, and delegation for that matter, there has to be a clearly defined task. In fact, actually, the task determines how you delegate, who you delegate, why you delegate, and what forms of empowerment you let them have. The task determines that, not the person. Mm -hmm. So sometimes what we're like, oh, I trust that guy and he's awesome and I'll just let him go. But actually, if you can't complete the task, all you've done is let the wild dog go with no leash and he'll dig up the garden. So let me walk you through stars so you know what I mean. Yeah. The first is skill set. Once I know the task, does the person have the skill set to do the task. Now, if you score them out of 10 and it's a high nine, then you know you're moving now towards an empowered person because they know what to do. But if it's a one or a two, you're probably gonna to have to delegate blunt end because they really don't know what to do and you have to be on them a lot. The, the next uh, letter is T. That's talking about teachability. I and you cannot really effectively power, empower anybody if they're not willing to be teachable, mm -hmm. they might have a very high skill set, but be totally unteachable, not willing to learn. Hey, I've done this a hundred times. You, well, how can you tell me anything? Well, that spirit, if you like, it makes it really hard to move them on towards empowerment. So it's not just skill set. It's also teachability. The A stands for availability. If you are talking about starting small groups, there's a certain amount of work in that some time needed, some uh, freedom from their family to do the work that's involved. But they might have high skill. They might even be teachable. But if their availability is very narrow, you probably can't empower them at the level you want to. Mm. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> and the R stands for reliability. You know, that idea of turning up, the idea of um, it's like trust. I think we talked to you. You mentioned the word trust. Trust. Trust in itself has three elements. We often talk about the first one, which is personal trust. And that's about you and me and our value set and who we are as people. And we have uh, we can be trusted. We can be trusted to look after the money in the home, to, to look after the children and, and somebody else's children. That's personal trust. But then there's organizational trust and strategic trust. Organizational trust is the ability to turn up and do what needs to be done. Strategic trust is... When you set a goal, you get it done. And you can see people that you personally trust at a high level, but actually, strategically, they don't have goals. They're not going anywhere. So, yeah, I trust them in this way. We've tended to just put trust down as personal trust, but in leadership, it's all three. Now, that's where the R comes in, reliability. You said, can I trust the person? Well, I'd be asking, can I trust them in three levels? Personal trust, organizational trust, and strategic trust. Now, this might sound very technical. It might sound like this is complicated. It's not. I'm doing it off by heart to you. I know how it works. You just memorize the stuff. It's easy. So if I look at a person and they're talking about empowerment and I'm 
thinking of empowerment. I've got certain questions I would ask about the task, what their skill set is. I'd rank that out of a 10. Uh, I could get onto to the teachability by, well, I should know that, I guess, as I work closely for them. Availability, here's the hours you've got to do this in. Here's what we've got to, can you do that? that? That's easy to get. And reliability, I've watched them in the past. And so out of the 50 people you talk to, there's some, probably about 5 to 10%, who I will just empower immediately because they're on the high scale of all those things. Mm. There's some I will delegate to, that's another 5 to 10%. Uh, blunt end delegation and then there's that group in the middle that i coach and lead on to full empowerment i i think that's the way i would want to lead if i was a leader somebody into their role into empowerment that's so good that's so good and i'm sure that's that's going to be so helpful for all listeners and um what is your uh i love the whole star thing i love that i love that you said that because i was about to ask you what that was so i love that you explained that because i need stuff explained to me uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> definitely but what is your thoughts on leadership capacity yeah this is a great question because we are in that right now this covid experience has helped many leaders especially pastors and some business leaders discover the capacity of their people actually and what they can hold and what they can do um, mentally spiritually emotionally and always so capacities come to the fore again as a discussion and we've discovered that in the workplace under a 35-hour week where there's teams and culture and drive People can, what's the word, hide low capacity because mm. they drift with what's happening. Suddenly now we've discovered, well, I'm starting to find out about my team because now they're working home. They have to be self-motivated. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's distractions and other things. For me, capacity is very in interesting in this way. I think capacity is about your skill set what you carry you know if i get you to do something that's not within your skill set your capacity is going to be much lower than if i got you where you needed to be so mm. skill set is like your giftings your talents your abilities these sorts of things do they fit what i want you to do if you've got plenty of those things your capacities already i think the second part of capacity is stamina i i like to use teflon coated stamina you know when i was uh, i'm old enough to remember those frying pans that never had teflon on them and burning an egg to the pan and having to get a chisel to scrape it off and now you don't even need butter in the pan you just chuck that egg in there and it skims around on the pan and you flick it on your plate and you've got a got an egg so to speak i'm afraid that we're we have gone back with some people to the old model of the frying pan where everything sticks every problem mm -hmm. sticks every pain sticks every thought sticks every word sticks every offense sticks and so on so their capacity is lowered lowered because of this inability to be teflon coated and to let things this this resilience to let it run off and and just um you know do its course and mm -hmm. and that's sad today but we're seeing more and more of it to be honest and that's mm -hmm. lowering capacity i think the, the other issue of capacity is experience of course now at my age when I, when I uh, watch how leaders function, because I've had so much experience with it, you're looking for, I'm a bit more relaxed about things and so on. Maybe at your age is a little more wanting and desire to get things done, prove certain things, and you should be. So mm -hmm. each decadal period in our life has a different experience for us. But when you get to your 50s and your late and your early 60s, your experience is really what you're cruising on. And your capacity is very much found on that. Um, so I think that's an important one. And the last one for me is energy levels. Uh, capacity is always like, I mean, you know, you can talk about winning the world and changing the world and doing all these wonderful things. But if you haven't got the energy to get up in the morning, nothing's going to change. Mm -hmm. So capacity is also linked to the energy. Now, I could spend 18 hours on energy and how important that is. Time management's great stuff. Event management part of time management but energy management that's the area we're in now and that's what we have to look and we've been in it for a long time because 
actually as a as an example and most people will know this uh, this verse it's in the bible where jesus said the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak yeah well he was in the garden of gethsemane and his disciples had fallen asleep you know because jesus was doing too many parties bro he was off at the tax collector's house having a party and he was always eating something and having a good time at weddings and stuff so his disciples get to this garden and they nod off not once but about five times jesus is at the moment the crucial moment he comes out and says the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak you know what he's really saying it doesn't matter how willing you are if you can't wake up you can't change a thing wow. if your energy level is so low it doesn't matter what drive motivation what passion what vision what stuff mm. you feel inside if you can't get up in the morning it makes no difference that's actually what he's saying i believe that is linked to capacity i you can have great capacity and no energy therefore your capacity level or ability to get things done is dropped or reduced or doesn't even function wow. so big discussions there lots in that one for sure yeah and how do how do like so because i'm sure a lot of people especially in covid their energy levels is dramatically uh, de decreased um yeah. is there any way like just quickly because i know you said you could speak days on this probably uh is there any way you can increase your energy any top top tips yep. i don't know definitely and I, these are quick i'll do them for you the first one actually is food um you and i know and anybody listening to me now you know there's certain foods you eat and it takes your energy away for me it's things like pizzas and dough and bread and you give me one of those at nine o'clock at night or or at a staff meeting sometimes and you eat this thing and suddenly you just lost all your energy there's certain type mm -hmm. of food so the key is to figure out what foods give you the most energy if we haven't at our age figured that out then when there's something wrong we should know what and i'm surprised how many people actually have not figured out yet that what you put in there affects energy levels and so mm -hmm. they'll be sitting in a meeting uh, eating some stuff that's in the bowl that they know is just going to deplete their energy for the afternoon. You just got to stop that if you want energy. I think the second uh, thing that helps with energy is your mind frame, uh, the way you think. We could call it the spiritual dimension of life. On the one hand, we have the physical side, which is food, and on the other hand, we have the spiritual side. If your mind is clouded and cluttered with negativity and and you're spiritually drained, there's no release in that way, or there's no sense of um, uh, passion because you just haven't got a life deep in your heart there, mm. whatever that means to you, then it doesn't matter what you're eating, you're not going to get up and have that energy. The third one for me is people, the type of people you hang around. Now, I have some energy, you know, those energy bunny things that yeah, they yeah. stick a couple of batteries up them and they just bounce along in the adverts. Yeah. I've got some mates like that. When I hang around with those guys, I have got energy for three months. <laughs> they, these are the energy bunnies of life. But the problem yeah. is I don't spend enough time with them. As leaders, we tend to spend more time with people who take our energy or deplete yeah. energy or have no energy, trying to get them energy, and that affects us. You've got to spend time with the energy givers. And when you do that, I think you're on a winning edge. Here's the last one for you, atmospheres. Atmospheres are very important because they are external to us generally, but they affect us internally. So uh, for example, you go to a great restaurant, it's got the white tablecloths, all the cutlery, food is good, but in the background, they're playing some radio station. It doesn't fit the atmosphere of the place and you're constantly not really enjoying the environment because the i'll never forget going to a maybe i don't know if i should say this but you can probably edit it out but i was going to this restaurant with my wife and it was just that it was awesome but there was this whining noise for me in the back so i called the waiter and i said mate i don't mean to be rude but what's the whining noise he he said he named a certain singer i won't name the singer but he named the singer that's so and so like i should know and I said, well, I don't know why that person thinks it's a good idea for them to write their depressing moments, put it on song, and you play it in this restaurant. Can you find something with a bit of life? Because the music was sucking the energy. Mm. So now in that case, that, that's a bland example of music, but it can be energy atmosphere. So many folks go home to atmospheres that just take their energy away. So many people go to working places that take their energy away mm. because the atmosphere is not right. For me, 
It's one of the big ones. If I walk into a place, atmosphere is not right, I'm going to change it till it gets there because I want energy from that atmosphere. So those are the four big ones for me. If you get those right, I think you, you can really build energy fast. Wow, that's great. So you don't need your coffee or Red Bull. <laughs> just follow well, that's those. That's the first one, bro. That's the first yeah, one. Exactly. The food run, yeah, exactly. If oh, you that... need coffee and you put it in, that's fine. <laughs> that's great. Um, you're also, uh, like, you're all, as I said in the introduction, you're also a coach, and I know you do mentoring as well. And I was, I was quite excited to talk to you about this because it's something I've kind of, in the last few years, dabbled in myself and something I've got really interested in. And um, it's not something you really associate with ministry and church always. So I like that it's starting to kind of come in, but there's very few people who do it. So I was excited to talk to you about that. I was just interested in, you know, if I was to um, book, a, book a session in with you, and I, I was just interested, how, how would that look? Like, could you give us like, I don't know, maybe like a one minute tester? <laughs> I know that's putting you on the spot, but. <laughs> okay. Just to preface that before I get started, yeah. there are basically three types of coaching. The first is what we call life coaching, which is holistic, and it's about your whole self. So if I was doing life coaching with you, I might ask about the things around you like family, food, life, how you live. I'm not a life coach. You'll see why in a moment. The second type of coaching is, is more linked to therapeutic need. Therapeutic coaching is what it's called, actually. It's slightly counseling, but it's not counseling because counseling is tending to give you answers. Therapeutic coaching doesn't give you the answers, but it's dealing with problems, if that makes sense. Mm. I'm not one of them either. I am what's known as an organizational coach, which is this. What part of the organization do you work in? And I'll help you, hopefully, do that thing better. So I'm not a life coach. I'm not a therapy co therapeutic coach. I'm an organization coach. So this would be my first question up, Stephen, to you, if you were doing a session with me. Okay. Good to see you, Stephen. Tell me the two goals you have within the framework of where you work now, and let's see if I can help you do them better. That's what I would ask first. Okay. Wow. Do you want me to answer them? <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't have to. Though. You don't have to. For, but for, you can for, see the difference because yeah. a therapeutic coach will say, what's the problem? Yeah. Let me coach you through it. A life coach says, well, what's your holistic life like? Let me check out some things. But an organizational coach is, is more interested in what you're doing with your life. Now, let's say you said to me, oh, but my life's falling apart. That's, whole, that's, that's uh, holistic coaching, uh, life coaching. Then I would probably refer you to a professional who does that. I wouldn't try and do that. And so on, you see. So my interest is what are you doing in the organization? That is based on goals or directions. And then I'll try and help you do those a little better, maybe, or wow. more, whatever, quicker, whatever. I love that. And I seen when I was looking on one of your, because um, I know you do like it, there's an online course and you had a, um, and I had, you had coaching and then you also had mentoring. What is the difference between those two? Good question. I get asked it a lot. I, I'm a, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the word mentoring. Um, I'm more a fan of coaching and I'll tell you what. Coaching is when somebody comes along and gives you enough encouragement to do it better. Mm. Mentoring is I've done it. I know what I'm talking about. Do what you're told. Now I've extreme, I've pushed them apart yeah. for reasons. So you can get the definition. A mentor clinic technically is a person who has done it. So let's say, and I work with churches all the time, but let's say a pastor came to me and he's got 500 people in this church or a businessman came to me, he's got 10 staff, and he says, I want you to mentor me. My answer would be, I can't mentor you. I've never done what you're doing, but I can coach you and I can help you get there and do better by, as an organizational coach by asking these questions. So for me, there's very few mentors around because if you are a, pastor or leader of something that's very big you're looking for the guy who's done it and by the way the mentor will use language that's very straight the mentor will tend to say you do it this way don't ask why that's the way it's done mm. a coach would do the complete opposite and say why are you doing it that way explain to me how that works for you see the difference now some yeah. mentors do use coaching methods 
but very few coaches will use mentoring methods because you take the average football coach out there, man. I've seen them. Some of them are beasts and they run down the paddock yelling at their team, you know, do this, do this. And they're coaches, they're not mentors. They've probably never kicked a football in their life, but they know how to coach the team. And um, that's the difference. I hope that's clear. Yeah, that's that's really clear. That's I think that will answer because I know a lot of people do get get those confused because a lot of people think it's the same thing. So I think that's that's absolutely clarity, one hundred percent on that answer. Uh, you can tell you've been asked it a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I also I also make sure if I'm doing any instruction instructional work work on coaching that I clarify those terms very clearly because. You're right. People tend to blend those together. Now, the tools, the tools, our toolbox for coaching, mentors can go into that toolbox and pull out a coaching tool, and coaches can go in and pull out a mentoring tool. But fundamentally, by definition, they are completely different. And I have to do that for that very reason, because mm -hmm. if you set up a, a whole lot of people who mentor others, they're only really going to be good coaches, but they think they know what they're doing, and that's the problem they yeah. actually don't. Wow, that's so good. And what do you think um, uh, is the... Cause I'm just thinking that you're traveling, that you're doing this coaching organization with leaders. What is the biggest, like, in a general sense that you see across the board is, like, you just see this is always the struggle leaders go through, like the biggest issue that they go through? Yeah, well, that's a great question. But to be honest with you, if I, there's not one because it's different okay. aspects of their life that is touched by mm -hmm. different things. Um, I think the thing that, if you're talking about the development of a leader, uh, in fact, I was talking to somebody about this today, one of the things I think is when you hit about 50, it's a crucial time for most leaders because you've got 15 more years left, but you've done your life already. So you that's we call it midlife crisis. And many people, many leaders don't go through a midlife crisis, but at 50, they have a tendency to hit a patch where they go 15 years left, so to speak, but 30 years gone. They start comparing with other leaders, what I have done, haven't done. They look at the next 15 and think, I don't think I've got the energy to do what I wanted to do. It's a real crisis time, which is why I suggest all leaders look at decadal periods. That's 20 to 30, 30 to 40, and 40 to 50, and then 50 to 60. They're very important years. So 40 to 50 is the achievement years. And I'll tell you why that is. Because you're not 30 anymore. You've got young family. You've probably bought a house and so on. So you, you're achieving more. Now, if you don't use your 40th, decade, your 40th decade really well, you get to 50 and you're entirely frustrated because you didn't use that previous decade well. Now, 20 to 30 is a different one, isn't it? That's just, you're, so, you're the sponge. If, if you're not, there's something wrong. You're soaking everything in from wherever you can. You're probably doing an education. You're hanging around with some heroes. You're doing business with somebody. You soak, you soak, and you're learning as well, and you're doing. 30 to 40 is when you are, you're finding yourself a little more, and you're understanding your gift set. You're understanding what you carry. You know when, what's right and what's wrong for you. 40, you slip into that drive place. starts to happen. 50, you go, that was a darn good decade. Now I want to cruise on what I've done in the previous one and so on. And so I think for leadership, it's actually managing the decadal pace. I've seen too many guys at 20 and 30 decades trying to do what you should be doing at 50. Mm -hmm. That's not healthy. You're trying to be the 50-year-old at 28 or 32. I want mm -hmm. to have what that 50-year-old's got. I want that type of lifestyle. I want that type yeah. of thing. I want that type of rapport, influence. I want people to, to recognize. And at 32, you must be kidding, you know, if that makes sense. Well, well I'm 32, so that set me free. Oh, I, <laughs> there you go, man. Um, so that that's great and we're going through obviously we're going through this massive year like no other like you know um and i wonder what what is your thing that you think leaders should be focusing on right now through this and also coming and maybe like hopefully we're all praying and hoping for the post covid as well what do you think leaders should be focusing on right now well whether it's business or church or whatever parachurch thing you do um, I think a mistake that could be made with some leaders is they tend to throw the vision stone out 
vision rock, if you like, five years ahead. Hey, we're gonna, and you know, most people are saying you can't do that because we don't know what it is. Yeah. I think a leader who manages three months, three months, three months really well and cast the stone of vision as well. So they cast the stone of vision, but bring it back to our three months now and do that well and plan that well, maybe six months max, because restrictions in every country are changing all the time. On the turn of a dime, you can't do what you did the day before. Mm. And if you've thrown the vision stone out, straight line, but haven't allowed, so here's a word I'm using a lot more now. Rather than strategy, I'm using the word tactic. We have to be more tactical now than strategic. Strategic is straight line. Strategy says that's where I'm going. Tactic says I have to move left or right or back to get the strategy done. It's a word we don't usually use in leadership because we've never had to be tactical. It's a military word. It's like when you say to the army or the soldiers, you go and take that mountain. They get down into the valley and there's grenades going off and bombs going off and bullets being fired. They have to play tactic. Now their strategy is to reach the mountain, but now they have to learn to be tactical and move mm -hmm. to the side, move back, hunker down for a while and so on. That's the stage we're at now. And any leader that's learning tactical behavior is a smart leader, in my opinion. Mm. That's so good. That's so good. So I'm going to start having a vision Sunday every three months now. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Don't be and that. that's, where you, that's where you have to play yeah. a bit of strategy, but a lot of tactic, don't you? No, that, that's, so, that's so wise. I love that. I love that pro process because it is because, um, you know, the typical thing in churches, and if you're in the church world, um, people might be listening not know this but in the church world every year usually january we have what we call vision sundays which is the vision for the year and that has been really um tricky um that this year because you don't know what's going to happen even tomorrow because restrictions nope. get left so i think that's that's extremely wise that's so much gold in that um and I'll, what is uh i wonder this because i know you've offered like is it eight books that's that's like absolutely yeah, crazy. Probably nine now. I think I've done one during COVID, but I, I got it published. Just it landed in my in my house the week we locked down. Wow! So that That's... one's still sitting in the garage. I don't go in the garage. It's rather depressing to look at <laughs> thousands of books I've never been able to take anywhere. Yeah. Well, hopefully we we'll get there. But I'm I'm sure that you've read a lot of books, and I'm glad to ask you the the question on capacity because you must have a lot to write nine books. But um, what is three books that are like I absolutely must read for every single leader? If a leader came in and you says, uh, and they can be your own, by the way. As <laughs> 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 you said, these are three must reads that you must definitely have. You must definitely read. All right. I've got to plug in my battery, my man. For some reason, the phone has gone, That's gone okay. on me. So just let me do that with you now. And then we'll be back on deck with that great question. <laughs> You've got that. Let's hope that's working. Yeah. Um, I, I think actually I'd break it down into I'd break it down into three areas and then pick some books out of that. The first area is leadership. You you want some leadership books. The second is uh, social life and how people operate and work together. Um, the third area to me is something like, uh, I don't know how, for me it's theology books or, or yeah. books on, on philosophy, if you like, or why things are like they are. That's up to the person listening what they do there. But I, I do theology um, about the nature of God and, and why things are like they are. Actually, the latest one I did print uh, that came out was on the will of God, discovering the will of God for wow. your life. Uh, uh, because if you get that right, you can, you can do a lot of things. The first one in leadership terms is is probably anything that's written by a guy called John Maxwell. You will have heard of him. He's written truckloads of books. There's not one I recommend particularly out of John's books because I think he is just good at everything he does. So you can get his stuff on teamwork if that's the moment you need. Those who are listening, Google John Maxwell. Pick the one that fits where you are. He does things on communication, teamwork, vision, mm. um, you, you know, who you are, yourself. The, the next one I'd look at is uh, probably Malcolm Gladwell's works. Now, Malcolm has written books like um, uh, Blink, uh, Wag Dog, the, Wagging the Dog's Tail. David and Goliath, outstanding text. 
to read. Very small book, but one of his good ones. Now that's on social dynamics and how people think and operate. The, the one on David Goliath is astounding. Have you read that yourself, Stephen? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah. Yes, yeah, terrific, isn't it? Yeah. How he how he unpacks that Goliath was a very weak enemy, really. He he suffered so many problems, and he showed this through the script of how Goliath wasn't actually really as and David picked it. He knew this guy was not the giant. So we make the giant this big guy that's mm -hmm. unbeatable, which the army did. David looks a little and says he can't see very well. He's got somebody helping him with his weapons, and he's walking really bad. I got him. And I love that about Gladwell's insightfulness there. Yeah. And then I think the third, the third one uh, is theology. I read a lot of that type of stuff, grounds me in, in uh, understanding why the world works like it does. Um, I, I read just systematic theology books sometimes and, oh. um, or church history. Yeah. If you're gonna, a, a great church history book is um, Church History in Mod Modern Language by Shelley, S-H-E-L-L-E-Y. Outstanding read, about 400 pages, but it takes you from the beginning right through and he highlights some key areas there. Um, so I, I, if you're not into those things, here's what you do. Do leadership as one. Do social type dynamics as another. There's a lot of that out there now and do more philosophical books is a good way of putting it. And if you're not into theology, um, uh, what's the name? Seven, uh, um, oh, I've forgotten the name of the author now, but Stephen. Stephen you know, Corby. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Stephen Corby's books are excellent for that. Yeah. Philosophical, I think. World changing, actually. He, about 1985, yeah. I think he wrote. And he, the purpose driven, no, not the purpose driven life. He did, what did he do? The, what was the name of that book? Is it the Seven Habits of Highly Effective Thank you, People? Thank you, sir. Oh, see to be young again. I remember. That. <laughs> um, it's so. It's one of my favourite books. You, you, well, it's you just got a good one. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, because he shifted us from the technical '80s model of clinical thinking to this more empowered person. He's the pivotal guy there philosophically and if you read him you're reading who we are now because he made the change he's quite an amazing writer actually he was the guy that was the initial point of taking us from the clinical systems approach to the mm. inner man person yeah. and so on Good. anyway getting lost in that sorry no no that's that's the way i love this conversation to go if you asked me anybody else i would not have been able to answer that <laughs> i just seriously i'll pay you later <laughs> um and just i want to just finish off with this question i ask all my guests this because i think it's a really interesting insight into into you as a person um what if you were to have lunch with any three people in the world dead or alive who would they be and why? Yeah, that's that's a question. And it changes over time, doesn't it? You know? Yeah. For me, because you get asked that quite a bit, and it does change over time. Um, for me now, I would I would want to have lunch and, and a meal with um, Churchill. I think, to be honest, that man was mm. quite amazing. Uh, we read about him, some of it not so good light, some of it good light. Yeah, I think what inspires me about that man is his ability to he he was the bulldog. He just wouldn't let go of the bone. That mm. tenacity, that strength. What is it in these people? I like that about him. I would want to to meet him for sure. I think another person I'd like to meet is uh, Augustine, who was an early church uh, theologian, probably framed most of our theology today that we read. Uh, almost all of it, uh, but he wrote it thousands of years ago, maybe um, 1800, 1900 years ago, and just an amazing mind and way of thinking. I think somebody like him would be astonishing to, to be with. Leonardo da Vinci would be another because of his creativity. Wow. And one of the things, I, I mean, that guy drew pictures of a helicopter before anybody had ever made it. No way. They do. They they have taken those pictures, by the way, and replicated them into true form. And the helicopter doesn't fly, unfortunately. It wasn't. It was actually a Scotsman, I think, in the 1800s who made the first helicopter. Can't remember his name, but wow. Da Vinci had already designed a helicopter, 
and he never got a chance to try it out. The, if you look at early pictures of Da Vinci, just amazing guy, he's a painter, artist, did everything, uh, an engineer. Um, now you've got to go back in time and, and think about his moment, not now, but his moment where creativity was not even a word. You just had these people who were creative. I, you rightly said I had this organization called Institute for Creativity, Leadership, Management. Now that's an interesting phrase, I'll tell you why. Leadership sits in the middle. Mm. But if there's no creativity, there's no leadership. And if there's no management, there's no harnessing the creativity. And that's why it's called the Institute, ICLM, of leadership, crea creativity, leadership, and management. Management handles create. Imagine if you just have creativity without management, you've just got, yeah, stuff fog. If you mm. have management with no creativity, they've got nothing to do. <laughs> yeah. But in the middle are the leaders who drive it forward, you see. So, so for me, you've got that creative guy 500 years ago, whatever it was, and um, I'd love to find out what made his brain tick. Wow. You're the first person to say Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> so that's just... I know he said Leonardo da DiCaprio, but he's the wrong one. He's not the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'd be cool to me, I suppose, as well. <laughs> you can pay for the lunch. <laughs> yeah, you could, yeah. Uh, oh that, that that that's really interesting i never knew that so i'm going to check that out as soon as we as soon as Do we so. finish this i'm going to check that helicopter out. i think that's so fascinating and let me know if i was wrong please because i don't I, I, i'm pretty sure that's all right but let me know if i'm wrong yeah i'm sure you are right um yeah i'm not checking i'm not checking for that reason <laughs> um, uh, how, what, what is the because i'm sh i know you've got online courses you've got books you i'm sure you do some sort of uh you, i know you do coaching and mentoring what is the best way for people to connect to you if they want to get your resources buy your books or get any coaching or any of that kind of stuff what is the best way that they can go and connect with you Look, I'd go on the web page. The web page is fairly static. It's not moving a lot. Probably you've seen that. But um, the web page, the email address goes directly to me. So if you wanted to go through there, have a look what's there, some of the things we do, um, then email, I'll get it. And I don't need to tell you the email address because, although it's an easy one, scotticlm.gmail.com, but that one will come to me. So that gives the person a chance to have a look around, look at the website, see what's there. And then if they choose to, they can they can connect up some way and see what happens after that. So that's the way I do it. That's the easiest way. Awesome. Can you just say that website one more time? Yes, sorry. Uh, ICLM.DK, Denmark. That's uh, yeah. where I live, so I use the DK symbol. ICLM.DK. Uh, by the way, the easiest way I tell most people is Google Scott Wilson Denmark. And my web page comes up first. So if you don't get yeah. the web page, yeah. Google Scott yeah. Wilson. But don't forget Denmark, otherwise you get that guy in America and you don't want him. Yeah, I, uh, and, I, I had that problem. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get the guy in America? Yeah, yeah. yeah I was trying to find you for, and then I put, I put because uh, I know you said on your, I think it was your Instagram or somewhere, I knew it was Denmark and I think you told me through Messenger um, and I put, I had to put, I put Dr. Pastor Scott Wilkes in Denmark and you came up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The funniest thing ever, I was in Norway in a little village somewhere and I walked into this bookshop and this guy said to me, I know who you are because I've had one of your books with your photo. I'd love to get some of your books uh, for my bookshop. Yeah, bookshop. So I said, well, look, this is what you do. This is how you order them. We'll get them to you. We'll do you a great price, blah, blah, blah. Never heard from him again. I was there about eight months later. And I walked and said, he said, I've got all your books. Look, they're all up there. I said, that's the guy from freaking America. You've got the wrong, you bought the wrong books, man. And then probably about a month later, I was at an airport waiting to be picked up by the driver and he didn't turn up. So I made a phone call. I said, I'm standing here, mate. I can't see you. And he said, where are you? I said, I'm by a pillar. He said, I can see you. I'm, I've got a picture of you. That's, and he had the picture of the Scott Wilson guy from America. No way. And, wow. And the wrong, and, and here's the third story that's quite remarkable. I was doing a conference in America speaking and the, that Scott Wilson was flying in. And that found out he was flying in on his personal jet. So the girl wrote to me that PA wrote and said, I don't mean to be rude, but I never knew you had a personal jet. That's the other 
looking at Scott Wilson. <laughs> so we've got to know each other now, and we well, we know he gets much more from me than I get from him. Trust me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe maybe you can share that jet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. May not have one right now. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And is your books? Is it just your website that you get, or are they on other platforms? Yeah, they're, they're on there. Most are on there. Yeah. You're okay. Absolutely fantastic, guys. Go and get the book because, as you already can tell, uh, there's so much wisdom in this conversation. Um, I, I am personally, I'm going to be going on the website and getting some of the, those books. Um, because so much gold, so much wisdom, and and Scott, just thank you so much again for coming on the show. It's been, um, it's been just a blast. Uh, I've just enjoyed it. Time has just flew by, so that's when you know it's fun. But thank you for taking your time and just pouring it into into us, into the listeners here, into me. Uh, absolutely don't take it lightly and I appreciate you, sir. It's been great to talk to you and meet you and I hope we do this again in real life very soon. Let's do it. Thank you.